This is John Cathley with Centric Biz and Tech Talks. Today I'm with Chad Caldwell and Chris Moniz to talk about their new ebook, which discusses how to implement a data and analytics strategy in the insurance industry. So I'm here with Chad and Chris. Tell me a little about yourselves. Uh, Chris, what, what do you do for Centric? I run the national data and analytics practice. Uh, so we focus on driving all the offerings that we have within Centric in terms of DNA. So things around visualizations, around analytics architectures, around machine learning and data science. And we help our various business units uh, implement those projects, uh, both getting folks staffed to them as well as kicking the projects off and really making sure they're successful. Great, great. And Chad, how about yourself? So thanks, John. Uh, yeah, Chad Caldwell here. I, I have responsibility for our insurance practice nationally across Centric. So much like Chris, uh, I help our, our business units and, and operating groups bring our solution offerings and capabilities to the property and casualty customers, our life and annuity customers, and our brokerage customers um, across the company. Great. Great. So I read your ebook. This is a joint effort between the two of you. Is that right? Yep. Yep, between okay. us and, and some others as well. Great. So, what was the business problem that you you kept running across that prompted you to write this ebook? To me, there was it was a kind of a twofold situation. First, Chris and I both recognized that um, the insurance industry is very much a, a data driven industry. It has been for uh, for as long as you know insurance companies have been around. And given the importance of data and data understanding, you know, across the enterprise, we felt like while it was used and understood well in pockets, data was not well understood across all functional areas of the insurance value chain. We felt like having self-service analytics on a modern platform deployed in areas like, you know, marketing, uh, to some degree claims, customer service, uh, were areas where there just wasn't the level of visibility needed, and it was traditionally being served through reporting through IT. So that was one problem uh, aspect of the problem we saw. The, the other was there weren't many solutions available on the industry that were not full of organizational challenge. And what I mean by that is challenges related to uh, the amount of funding these solutions require, um, challenges related to total cost of ownership, um, challenges related to complexity of solution, and really a challenge uh, related to alignment to real-world business problems. Chris, do you have anything to add there? Chad had a very broad perspective on uh, why it was a great idea for us to do this and to just partner in general on the work that we do for insurance companies. Uh, my my take was much more, frankly, selfish uh, in that I've spent 15 plus years doing data work for a variety of different insurance carriers and trying to help folks solve just day-to-day -day data problems and help make their lives better through data. And it just, it pained me every time I would go to, to help a client and I would see just the amount of of debt, technical debt, if you will, that they had in their data infrastructure and just how much better the lives could be with more data and how few of them actually had it available to them. And I, I wanted to be able to solve that problem in a more systemic way than just, well, I can go in here and I can help you. So when the opportunity you know, showed up for me to be able to partner with Chad and his team to do that, I just thought it made all the sense in the world. 
Great. So that led to the discussion or the definition of the modern analytics approach. Now, is that something you guys have coined or is that something that is more of an industry term? It's a term we've coined. So our, our okay. modern analytics platform is not necessarily an insurance specific thing. It's it's really us putting years worth of thought into how do you use modern technology to architect a really flexible and modular data architecture. That really can apply to any industry, but we definitely saw where it made a heck of a lot of sense in the insurance space being that frankly, it's a it is an industry that is basically all about data. There are There is no physical product. They're selling their ability to analyze data and our platform really makes that a lot easier to do and a lot more of a broad dispersion of that capability. Part of the modern analytics approach is in the non-technical characteristics of it as well. You know, we wanted to make sure we were we were solving real business problems um, that were definable, made people accountable, and we were able to measure uh, the impact of. And so we've you know, drew up this approach by leveraging our insurance value chain, which is something that goes from the marketing of our or the development of our insurance products through the marketing of marketing of them, um, selling them, administering the policies, administering the claims through customer service. And, you know, we drive discussions through a series of workshops with client stakeholders to identify the types of decisions these organizations want to be able to make. Uh, And they're pretty granular decisions that then ultimately feed um, into a business glossary and metric definition uh, that feeds into um, our insurance analytics platform. Very much driven from a business decision perspective. uh, And we found just through our experience by doing it that way, um, we're able to uh, more incrementally uh, deliver value that's aligned to these decisions that has real outcomes and real impact, which helps us gain momentum and and create sustainable uh, support throughout the organization for enterprise analytics. Great. So can you give me an example of, you know, certain business decisions and and how they'd be aligned to the data analytics? Sure. So, you know, you may have a use case that gets generated out of field marketing in a field marketing workshop that basically is along the nomenclature of we want to understand or we have a need to understand who our high performing agencies are compared to a baseline so that we can then learn to to teach our lower performing agencies how to perform better. And the ending result or expected outcome of that use case is, you know, increased premium and profitability. And so that might be an example decision that, you know, our marketing and field marketing teams are wanting to be able to make, but they just don't have the data to be able to support it. And so through this process, we we try to understand not only what data is need, needed to make that decision, but how that data is going to be analyzed so that you know that outcome can be achieved and there's there's these example use cases again they'll they'll sit all across the insurance value chain there's i don't know chris what do we have 70 or more that we have you know pre-developed across the value chain yeah i think last count was in the 90s so you're able to talk to a client talk about talk to their different business decisions and you've got pretty much laid out already uh, you know a connection from a decision to the type of data 
Yeah, and it, as Chris will explain, you know, later when we're we're, we're talking about you know the, the the analytics, modern analytics architecture itself. What's really neat about um, this approach is that it it drives from that business decision and outcome through a glossary, through metrics, into an information model, into a data model, into a mart, into a visualization. So there's that lineage between you know the visualization that you're seeing on your on your laptop or mobile device to the actual business decision and outcome that you were trying to achieve. To give you an idea, another example I would give you, uh, and if for any folks that are listening to this that are insurance folks, you'll appreciate this. Probably the most common use case uh, that I'll talk to folks about is something that's somewhat unique to the insurance space, and that's triangles, development triangles. And inevitably, in the claims department, they'll want to be able to get to claims loss triangles. And effectively, that's a way of looking at data that looks at the trend and change in claims values over time. So a use case you might explain around that is something to the effect of, you know, as a claims manager or as an actuary, I would like to be able to analyze claim development over time. It's going to provide the following value to me uh, as an actuary or as a claims manager. It's going to allow me to do the following things. Here's the specific way I need to be able to do that analysis. And then here's how this is going to benefit the company, which is really key to be able to kind of call out the benefit the company should realize from us pulling that data forward and providing in a way that allows you to do this analysis that you should be able to come back to six months or a year later and say, hey, this is, you said, if we could get you this, that we should see the following. Are we seeing that? Are we seeing some of it? Are we seeing more than we expected? Do we want to tweak it in any way? What are we learning? But it gives you a lot more direct connectivity to where you're expecting to see value out of these things individually, instead of seeing value out of the platform as a whole and having to wait years for this sort of monolithic thing to materialize and then measure the value across the entire thing, you get to measure it in increments. John, one other uh, yeah. one other area that's that's interesting, particularly right now with all of the you know all of the COVID nineteen um, situation that that many businesses are dealing with, is you know looking at premium growth and. Um, one of the use cases that we often see is wanting to analyze quote declinations and the use case around it is looking at quote declinations to ultimately determine where product changes could occur that would result in revenue that's not been realized because it was previously declined. So it's a way to to look at appetite expansion to grow a book of business. And so if you just think about the examples that Chris and I just mentioned, um, you know, we're covering underwriting, we're covering, you know, agency distribution and we're covering claims. You know, there are many others that um, we clearly don't have time to talk about today, but that are nonetheless very important. And, you know, when we work with clients on these types of engagements, we, you know, we're careful to make sure that we understand the strategies and priorities of the organization and where the focus needs to be. So are there any parts of uh, an insurance operation that you can't help out with this modern analytics approach? Chris, I don't know how you would answer that. I mean, for me, one thing that stands out is, you know, this architecture can enable many things. It can enable third-party integration. It can enable machine learning. It can enable predictive analytics, but it doesn't do those things. There are other technologies needed 
to to do those other things. So I wouldn't want to claim it's a silver bullet <laughs> or anything. So it's an enabling technology uh, that that's that's critical. That's useful. Yeah, and that I mean that's the whole point around the modern analytics platform uh, and the uh, the architecture that we design data delivery systems for is that we build them in such a way that you build what you need for the time, but also such that they can be evolved to support other things. So like one of the core concepts we try to focus on in the architecture is this concept of a, a conceptual data lake to try to co-locate all of your data into one spot. And the simple reason for that is, is as Chad said, while you know, we don't generally look at the modern analytics approach and go, yes, we're going to come in there and uh, we want to do all the risk modeling for your insurance company. In fact, it's not something we really focus on. But we do recognize that the folks that are going to be doing that risk modeling, which is a core part of the business for that organization, the easier we can make it for them to get to that data, to do that analysis while we're trying to enable analytics in all of these other places that typically haven't had much data access in the insurance company, insurance the easier we make their lives, the better the solution works for the company. So it definitely does contemplate enabling those things, but it does not contemplate doing those things directly. All right. Well, let's, let's go through those phases of the, you know, of the modern analytics approach. There are plan and design, build, sustain, and grow. Would you say those are the standard phases that you'd break it down to? Uh, yeah. And I mean, that's, I think that's part of what, you know, part of why we wrote the ebook was to really kind of speak to, in broad terms, the different challenges that are hitting the insurance world today when it comes to data and when it comes to analytics. And, you know, obviously one of those sections we talk about the way, things that you should think of when you're building uh, an overall analytics strategy and delivery model in the actual underlying data architecture to make it work. For that delivery approach, we follow that delivery approach and we help clients do this. And we, we, we follow that because frankly, we know places where we can help accelerate whole sections of that delivery approach. So for example, the plan and design phase, when you do it on your own, there's a lot of work that you have to do there. You're basically starting from ground zero. You've got data models to build. You have an architecture to decide upon, a lot of analysis to do to figure out what's out there in terms of tooling, what makes sense, what capabilities you need to drive, et cetera. We have a lot of those things pre-built from years and years and years of experience of doing this type of work for insurance companies. Uh, I want to say between our insurance practice and our DNA team, we've got over well, well, well over 100 years, probably closer to 200 years worth of collective experience in the space. So we can bring a lot of accelerators to that table to make plan and design a very efficient and fast process. And then build becomes something you hit very quickly and you start building incrementally. And that's where you just start going through use cases. You start identifying your your quickest hit, your best hit. Uh, and as we like to say very often, uh, you're looking for those use cases early on that are going to be quick wins that have a lot of value and that have a spokesperson who is going to be very, very vocal when you succeed. Because that's that's the type of drive that you want to then bring you to the next set of use cases and the next set of use cases. So the desire to get these things done from the business equals your desire to accomplish them from the technology side. One, one comment I'd add to that point, because I think it's a super important one that, that Chris made, the product owner um, being a champion for the cause 
that can't be overstated enough. So that that person is going to have certain characteristics, especially early on within um, a modern analytics implementation. You know, they're going to need to be a person with a voice. They're going to be need to be someone that's hands on and not unwilling to get their uh, roll their sleeves up and really understand the solution that um, is being constructed for them. They're going to need to be an influencer. So many elements of what people that practice organizational change man management um, would call a change leader. That's really what uh, we're striving for with you know early stage product owners in these implementations. Great. So what questions do you usually get from clients? What are their typical questions when you present this approach? How long does it take and how much does it cost? <laughs> <laughs> okay, the easy ones, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and I'd say the the fast follower to those two questions and of course, you know, the answer to those first two questions is always, well, there's a long conversation there. We have things we need to know about the environment and question, level of complexity of the data, number of source systems, et cetera. Uh, but the, the very, very fast follower after that is, how much do you need from me to make this a success? Mm -hmm. uh, and the answer there is always probably more than you think you have time for, but not more than you're going to want to give after we get into this very quickly. Because at the end of the day, any any time you undertake a a journey to modernize your data infrastructure at a company, insurance company or otherwise, the level of commitment from your business partners who ultimately own the data in question, they're, you're just managing it as an IT person, you're managing it on their behalf, but they ultimately own that data. The more involvement you have from them, the better quality of a delivery you're going to get, the better quality product you're going to get, and the better engagement and adoption you're going to get. The lower that commitment, the lower that involvement, the more problems you're going to have longer term. So the short answer is to that question always, as probably more time than you're going to be comfortable with up front, but time that you're going to be happy to give very quickly thereafter as you start to realize the amount of power you're being granted to sort of rule your own destiny with this platform. So one question I can imagine somebody asking would be, what if I've already got a data warehouse? What, what do you do then? How different is your is your approach? Do you burn it down, start over, or are you able to adapt it? Or, you know, how much of a pain is it to deal with, you know, whatever garbage I've already got? You know, it's 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 interesting because that does happen. Nine times out of ten, if we're having a conversation like this with a client, or frankly, if if you read our ebook and you realize through the course of reading the ebook that the situation that you have for your data warehouse is really underwhelming and that it's not really servicing what you need it to in a lot of ways. It, it's It's been either under-architected or in some cases dramatically over-architected and nobody can use it. You're probably going to be looking for a way to eventually sunset it. And nine times out of 10, that's what we run into. We very rarely run into people who are going, well, it's okay. I just need to be a little better. Can you tweak it? We run into, it's we're just not there. We need to do something fundamentally different. But more often than not, it's how do we not lose everything we just did in that mm -hmm. environment? And frequently what we look to do is try to find ways to say, okay, we can learn from there in terms of we can analyze documentation around that, analyze ETL jobs around that to understand 
what you already have gleaned about your source data building this existing architecture. But then we can also utilize it as a short-term data source to, you know, get history and to eventually get mm -hmm. off of and say, okay, how can we eventually make this obsolete, but in the interim leverage it as we transition you over time to a much more flexible architecture. And we've done that multiple times with clients. An insurance client that they never got rid of a data warehouse. So they had, it was like archeological layers. So they had four data warehouses and a data lake all stacked up on top of each other. Mm -hmm. They just would never get rid of one. That's not uncommon, right? A lot of times, you know, they're looking for a solution to rationalize or consolidate into. We, we see that fairly often. You know, it was a pretty common approach, you know, even five years ago to take more of a build it and they will come mentality, meaning mm -hmm. let's just get the data in a place where actuarial can access it and they will do their thing. And that was really the motivation and driver but we're seeing sort of a resurgence around you now we've got core business decisions that we've got to be able to make to grow the business and grow profitability retain customers you know improve the experience etc and in order to do that you, you know you you got to rethink uh, the way you did things in the past you know a, a more modern and, and nimble architecture is one of those things you need to rethink great so i'm going to sink a little into the technology uh, and i'm going to pretend i know something about this in your in your model, you talk about taking data into a data lake and then into an enterprise data warehouse. So, what are the different roles played by those in supporting a business strategy? You know, why why would you have both? So, good question. Probably something I want to clarify up front is the the term data lake gets bandied around a lot, and a, a lot of folks still mistake it for this concept that came into came to creation about six years or so ago around Hadoop. And it was this concept of, I'm gonna build this completely non-constrained piece of technology where I don't care what the data is, it could be photographs, or it could be an actual database sitting underneath an application. It'll hold anything. If it's digital, I can put it there. And when we use the term data lake, the reason we say conceptual data lake is because we like that concept we don't like the implementation that came around, came around with that six plus years ago. And that implementation was, well, all your data goes here, it's an unstructured environment. And if most of your data is structured, well, tough luck. It's all about to become unstructured because that's how it gets stored here. Mm -hmm. So the reason we have both a, our conceptual data lake and the EDW is, the conceptual data lake is just a centralized place to store all of your data. And if the vast majority of your data is structured, which in most insurance companies, uh, with the exception of advanced marketing research they might be doing if they're up to doing that stuff, it's all structured. We store all that data centrally in a relational database, be it uh, an Azure SQL managed instance or an on-premise SQL server, or if you've got a ton of data, maybe something like Snowflake, but we store it someplace relationally where anybody who knows SQL, which a lot of your actuaries or your data scientists will, can get to all of this data and do their analysis. And that's really why the data lake's there. It really comes down to this concept of there's three rules when it comes to data in a business. And this is, uh, this is not some industry standard. These are Chris's three rules, if you will, of data. And that is, <laughs> number one, all data has value. Number two, not all data is of equal value. And number three, to know the difference, there's going to be some analysis required. You can't do that analysis 
to try to understand if there's data out there that's valuable that you didn't realize was valuable before if you can't get to the data. So the whole point of this architecture is that the data lake is the low cost, repeatable place where all data is brought without any governance applied to it, without any review in terms of uh, do I need to pull this stuff out because it's PII or do I need to keep this stuff out of here because nobody's asking for that? It's it's a factory. It's mm -hmm. here's all my data sources. All of them need to get here one way or the other untouched. It becomes even an audit point. So the data lake's so point of existence is A, it becomes the source point for your entire data architecture, including your EDW, but B, it becomes a point where all of your really advanced analytics users, your actuaries, your data scientists, et cetera, they can go because they have that knowledge and they have that authorization within the company and use that as a place to do their analysis, to do risk modeling, to do market analysis, to do machine learning projects. And knowing that the data is unaltered, it is as it exists in the sources. The EDW becomes the place where the rest of the organization, the day-to-day -day part of the organization goes to get data. It's where all of your governed and blessed data lives. And it's where you get to send your operations team, your claims managers, your, your underwriters who are looking for retention inventories, or your sales folks who are looking for agency reporting, et cetera. All of them get to go there because their job is not to be data wonks, like your data scientists and your actuaries. Their job is to be able to do their core role, and data is simply there as a tool to enhance their ability to do their job. So it has to be trustable, governed, of high quality and consistent. And you don't do that in a lake. You do that in an EW. Great, great answer. I just learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. So I think the follow up then is, you know, in your ebook, you wrap up each of the phases talking about the people side of change. So, you know, what sort of changes do you need to take a client's folks through in your approach? I can I can start that off, Chris. I I, I think you know, a lot depends on uh, what they're accustomed to already. You know, for example, oftentimes we implement these solutions using an agile BI delivery approach. So questions come up on, you know, what level of familiarity does a client have with um, agile delivery um, with the roles that are associated to that, whether it be a product owner or a scrum master, et cetera. So that, that's one element of it. Um, the other is there, there are new roles potentially required within the client's IT organization in terms of, of the technical resources needed to deliver on this solution. Uh, there might be new resources needed in the, on the business side from a business analytics and sort of power user perspective, potentially even from a data scientist uh, standpoint. So you need to assess sort of where from a maturity standpoint is the, uh, is the organization that you're dealing with at, and then uh, develop a, a corresponding, you know, people and change plan from there. Okay, sounds great. One thing I would add to that is from a day-to-day -day perspective, this is why our delivery methodology, our modern analytics approach, narrows things down to those individual use cases or user stories. Because at the end of the day, our goal here is not to say, hey, you had 52 reports yesterday, you have one dashboard today. 
our goal here is to say you do X today and you told us that if you could do the following analysis that X would now take you less time or X would now allow you to do X, Y, and Z and provide additional benefit. We want to be able to bring that specifically to you and then empower the leads who approve that to say, you should be expecting the following benefit coming in six months, nine months, 12 months. There's follow-up there of, okay, I asked for this use case. I got this use case. Have I incorporated it successfully into my business processes? Have I found additional changes that I'd like to make that'll make it even better? And am I working to continue to make that happen? It's this process of continuous improvement that isn't swallowing the whole elephant at once. It's use case by use case. All right. Let's say maybe somebody's listened to this podcast. Maybe someone's read your ebook and they go, wow, this sounds, this sounds perfect. This sounds like the thing for us. Where would they start? What, what should they do next? Besides call Chad. <laughs> That's always answer number one, right? Call Chad. Yes, that is. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that, um, you know, if, if what we're talking about here today and, and what's in the ebook resonates, you know, with them, I, I think it is time for a good time for a discussion and a dialogue internally first to figure out is there you know the right level of executive support for this kind of initiative because at the end of the day these these types of programs are not simple to implement they're typically not something that's going to take two months soup to nuts to get out the door you know there are instances where we can we can deliver in a more expedited manner than we can in others uh, and that's you know dependent on a, on a variety of factors but first and foremost, you, you need to have the right executive support behind it. If if you achieve that, I think it's time to get into a dialogue uh, and talk about sort of the characteristics of, of your particular situation, what your end objectives are. And, you know, we can determine jointly together um, whether it makes sense, you know, to partner up and, and have further dialogue. All right. Great. Is there anything else? Maybe one thing we haven't touched on. Um, enough here today is just the delivery cadence and approach itself. You know, we are are big fans of delivering on a, a sprint by sprint or iterative basis and doing that in a manner that aligns with overall prioritization. And that overall prioritization typically is determined not just by technical complexity of the use case, um, but also by the amount of business value being driven by the use case and, you know, sort of the the, the scoring, if you will, of the product owner and who would be the uh, internal champion for that use case. And, uh, you know, our ongoing delivery process is use case oriented and incremental in nature. And so we ultimately want to have a delivery process where, you know, we're releasing value to the organization repeatedly and incrementally. You know, I can imagine somebody coming back and saying, hey, I'm talking about moving all of my data into an enterprise data warehouse. How do I get incremental results from from that? I mean, isn't it sort of a big bang? It's funny because that was one of the driving underlying defects that we saw in the way data has been approached in the past in the insurance space that drove us to, to wanting to do this. It, it used to be that way for a very simple reason, because the concept of the, the the data warehouse was king, right? 
the only way you got data to anybody anywhere in an insurance company was it went into a data warehouse. So you ran into this sort of chicken and the egg routine of, well, I want X data. Great. We put it in the data warehouse. I come back and I say, I now want Y data. And every time I say I want more, it's this massive project because I now have to go all the way back to the beginning to the source systems, many of which are mainframes. And you start getting into this habit of, I'm going to be building a data warehouse. I go to talk to the business and I go, yes, we're connecting this new source system up to our data warehouse. What data do you need? And they don't even look down. They just go all of it. <laughs> you go, there, there's 30,000 data elements in the application. What do you mean all, all of it? Because they know if they don't say all of it now, then they're never going to get a second bite at the apple in any kind of a time frame that's useful. So, you know, it's it's why we take the approach of the data lake is where you put all of your data and it has to be fast, efficient, low cost and repeatable. And the warehouse is where you put very specific governed data because now that person who says all of it, you're now in a situation of saying, yeah, it's all in the lake. We have it. We're not losing history. We're capturing it as things move on. You may not get to these hundred fields over here for three years. We didn't lose anything in the process. If you want it and it's not core business that we understand today, prove to us that there's value in it. Tell us what it's going to do for you because we're not going to make the decision. Your peers are. And they're going to say, yes, that's worth the investment. We know what that's going to take to do. IT told us we're willing to do that because you've had access to the data in the lake to say, yes, there's value here and this is how much. Great. I, I just explained it beautifully. That was awesome. I guess you've had practice with that answer. Uh, <laughs> it's come up a little more than once. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, Chris, what was the other thought that you had that you wanted to leave us with? Sort of a final thought. Uh, the, the thought that I just wanted to leave folks with is, you know, a lot has changed in this space, especially when it comes to the technology in the last even 10 years. It really, truly used to be if if you were an insurance company and 10 years ago you were going, I need a data warehouse, especially if you were in a large insurance company, you were staring down the barrel of an eight to nine figure project that was going to be three to five years. And at least that's what it was on paper. And by the time it was done, it was more like seven to 10. Mm -hmm. And your percentage of failure was huge. The likelihood that it was going to fall over was was really, really high because the approaches were uber complex. They had massive data models from Accord or IBM that were tens of thousands of data elements. And they did use that approach of, I've got to go from zero to everything. And once I get to everything, then people can see it. It's like I have this massive five-year wait for a reveal. And if it's anything but a moonshot, nobody cares. The technology today allows you to do so much more at such a lower cost, you know, the the days of needing to invest millions of dollars just in hardware, they're not there. That's over. <laughs> you know, with the, with the advent of the cloud uh, and the ability to rapidly stand up these environments and flex them as you need to, to be able to, you know, flex upwards to do some rapid processing and then flex back down. It just, it's completely changed the game in terms of how this stuff can happen, how quickly it can happen and the ability to do the types of agile delivery that we're talking about today. So it's, if if you're not doing this simply because you're going, I know the price tag, it's going to be 50, 60, $100 million in five years before I show anybody anything and potentially uh, a nightmare when it, when it bombs, that's not the world we live in anymore. This has been Centric Biz and Tech Talks. Thanks for listening.